This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. And thanks to all our members for making our truth journey a reality. To listen to part two of tonight's interview and all of our material, just go to veritasradio.com and click on the subscribe button. You'll receive your login immediately. And have you listened to Sanitas Radio yet? Go to sanitasradio.com and find out how every week we will declassify the secrets to health and longevity with a focus on mind, body, and spirit. And speaking of health, it doesn't matter how much organic food you eat, how much you exercise, or how many supplements you take. If the water you're drinking is not the best, then you're back to square one. I'm a big advocate of ionized, clean, and healthy alkaline restructured drinking water that's loaded with beneficial antioxidants and minerals. Click on the water button on our website and find out. And to get in touch with us, for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. If you were walking on the street on the way to work, and saw a homeless man waving at you and calling for your attention, would you stop? What if that homeless man had the answers to the primordial questions? That is exactly what happened to Garnet Schulhauser, tonight's special guest. 
coming up right now on Veritas. Garnet Schulhauser practiced corporate law with two large law firms in Calgary, Canada for 34 years before retiring to Vancouver Island in 2008. Garnet's life changed dramatically one day in 2007 when he was confronted on the street by a homeless man named Albert. Over the next few years, he had a series of conversations with Albert, who was actually a wise spirit guide in disguise, who disclosed startling new truths about life, death, the afterlife, and God. Albert answered all of life's big questions about who we are, our purpose for being on earth, and what happens to us after we die. Albert's revelations were inspiring, uplifting, and comforting, and flew in the face of almost everything that Christian holy men had been preaching for centuries. He wrote dancing on a stamp at Albert's request, so that these revelations would be available to everyone. And to learn more about Garnet Schulhauser, his story, and purchase his book, Dancing on a Stamp, visit his website at dancingonastamp.com, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Canada, I am privileged to welcome Garnet Schulhauser. Hello, Garnet, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Fine, thanks, Mel, and thank you for inviting me on your show. It's my pleasure. A few weeks ago, my friends from Ozark Publishing, they send me books all the time, and they sent me your book, Dancing on a Stamp. And I started reviewing it, and I found a lot of parallels between your life and mine, but it went beyond with yours. I want to go in chronological order, because this is a fascinating story for people who have questions, who grow up in society, and they try to, to fit in and the box, society's box. But you received a lot of answer from somebody. First of all, give us some, a little bit more of a background of what I, beyond of what I read. Okay, well, uh, to go right back to, to day one, I was uh, born and raised on a small farm in Saskatchewan. Um, I was uh, raised in a very religious Roman Catholic family. Uh, like we were very religious. Um, we went to church not only on Sundays, but we went on holy days of obligation on first Fridays, first Saturdays. And quite often in the evening, my mother would gather us all together and we'd kneel down and say the family rosary together. And this religion was all, the charge was all led by my mother, bless her soul, who was uh, a very religious person and she was determined to make sure that her husband and her, her five children all made it to heaven with her, even if she had to drag us kicking and screaming. Um, and so that was my background. And I was, uh, I did all the things that a good Catholic boy did in those days. I was an altar boy for many years. I served mass. Um, I, uh, you know, went to church all the time with my family. Um, um, and I, I was raised as a, as a sort of a staunch Catholic. Um, and, uh, at the time I believed everything that they taught me. It, it, it you know, I, I didn't really question it because that wasn't something that you did in those days. You didn't really question what your, what your church taught you, uh, especially because my mother was so adamant that that was the true path to get to heaven. And so it wasn't until, uh, uh, in my teens probably that I started questioning some of the beliefs and the rules that the Catholic Church had had, had laid down, and uh, because some of them just didn't make any sense to me, and were, in fact, some of them even seemed silly in hindsight. And so, by the time, probably by the time I hit my thirties, I had really rejected a lot of the beliefs I had been taught, uh, a lot of the dogmas of the Catholic Church, 
And and so then I was casting about uh, for a new paradigm to to hitch onto. I I was sort of in no man's land, having rejected one set, but not having found something else to to, to grasp. And so uh, I read a lot of books on religion, on metaphysics, on spirituality. Um, not really sort of finding anything that sort of gave me the the total solution to my questions. Um, and then one day I met this homeless man on the street. Um, and it was uh, when I was practicing law in Calgary and, uh, you know, I was in a very large law firm and I was a typical corporate lawyer, uh, you know, wearing Navy pin, pinstripe suits and Italian ties and, uh, and the whole outfit. Um, and so one day I was, uh, and, and, and leading up to that, it seemed like from the time I was in no man's land, I kept on asking myself all the questions that, that most people ask at one point in their life or another, like, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to accomplish in my life? And then, of course, the big one is, so what happens to me after I die? Is there a heaven and a hell like the church told me, or is there something different? And so... Anyway, this day I decided to uh, just go. It was a lovely afternoon in May, and I decided to go for a walk um, uh, on the street to get a breath of fresh air. And uh, so I was strutting down the street uh, with my head in the clouds as usual, and all of a sudden this uh, homeless man jumped out in front of me uh, and stopped me in my tracks. Um, now, I had usually I had encountered these people before on the street, and I, my usual practice was to do a quick sidestep and just go around them. Uh, but this guy was very different. Um, he had a amazing, sparkling, dazzling blue eyes that that shone like two little blue stars. And it, his his gaze just sort of st- stopped me in my tracks, and I felt like I was sort of frozen in time. And his gaze did two things to me. The first thing was that he was looking right into the very depths of my being, uh, right down to the the bottom of my soul. And I felt like he knew everything about me everything I'd ever said or did in my life, uh, all my hopes and aspirations and all my fears and anxieties and all my deep, dark secrets. And this is, uh, he didn't tell me he, he knew this. I just sensed that he did. Um, and I'd never met the man before. So it was really quite, a, quite, quite a penetrating gaze. And so even though I sort of felt a bit naked and exposed in front of the stranger who I'd never met, I didn't turn and run because at the same time he was sending, his eyes were sending me this, amazing gush of warm, pure, unconditional love that sort of permeated my whole body with a wonderful sense of peace and security. So I, I just relished standing there in this person's limelight, you might say, and, and, and enjoying the, the love and the, and the security he was sending towards me. And I could have, I could have stood there forever, but eventually uh, he broke the spell. And uh, um, I, I don't know if you want to, uh, Want me to continue with uh, on Mel, or do you want to, me to go back and, and go over some of the stuff I've already covered? I'll interact. I'll interact a little bit here. Do you have never seen Albert before? Right? No, absolutely not. This is the first time, and you know, interesting. Five children. I also had. Uh, there were five children in my household. Roman Catholic altar boy, just like me. Your questions are also my questions, the, 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 the primordial questions. Who am I? Uh, who are we? Where do we come from? Why are, are we here? Where do we go from here? And, and these are questions that you get answers to. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into this. So after you met Albert, and that, by the way, many people who, who start reading the book may say, is this fiction? Is this something you came up with? Or is this a true story? 
It's a very true story. I mean, it's as real as anything that has ever happened to me in my life. Um, and in fact, it almost seems like more than real. In some senses, it was a very vivid uh, experience. Um, and I've never had any question in my mind that it was, uh, it, it was something that, that was real. It wasn't a dream. And I didn't make it up. Um, I, I couldn't in a million years have, uh, have made up this story. It was, it was very real. Um, and, uh, it, it still seems very real to me now, even though that my first encounter with Albert was like, uh, in 2007, but it's, uh, to me, my recollection is just like it happened yesterday. And how did you reconcile what you learned? And we'll, of course, we'll have to explore all of this. How did you reconcile your newfound knowledge with what you had been taught uh, throughout life? Uh, well, it, 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 it's not reconcilable at all with what I was taught by the Catholic Church. I mean, there's some there's some commonality. I mean, um, the, the the Church has a has a number of good principles that are just basic good um, things for humans to follow, like you know to love your fellow man and follow the teachings of Jesus. Um, so they have there's a lot of good things, and they you know they they ask us to adhere to the Ten Commandments. It's not to lie, cheat, steal, and kill those are all good things for society and for humans uh, but they get off track uh, when uh, with, with some of their other beliefs and rules and those all arose not from what what Jesus said but from the men who followed Jesus and and formed the church and and formed its dogmas and and those are just men who had their own agendas and who uh, and who uh, basically said they were making up rules that came from God, but they're really man-made rules. And so they kind of got off track in a number of places. And that's, and that's where it's not reconcilable with, with what Albert said. Um, and so some of their, some of their beliefs, uh, are, are still good and valid in Albert's view. Others are just totally wrong. Um, and they were developed so that the church could control people with guilt and fear. Um, and that's, that's the, the 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 sad part of the story, and 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 when I when I look back on what I was taught and relate it to what Albert has told me, I can see exactly what he's saying, and I uh, uh, and I'm glad that I uh, I met Albert, and I can now see where some of the things I was taught um, are just just not right, and they, and they didn't they didn't feel right to me at the time, and I certainly understand that now, um, but in terms of what happened after that. Um, uh, you know, I, I, what Albert says just makes really good common sense. It feels right in my heart. Uh, and from all my experience in life, uh, I, when I reflect on what Albert said, I say to myself, you know, that's just exactly uh, the way it is. And uh, um, I wish that I had met him earlier on in my life. It would have made, made my life a lot easier. But I think things happen for a purpose. And there's always a timing for a purpose. And uh, so he came, I guess, in my life at exactly the right time. What's the saying? The teacher appears when the student is ready. Exactly. But here you are, a successful attorney, walking, and then all of a sudden you see a man who looked as if it, he had been living on the street for, for weeks. And, and per your words, he smelled like, like a dead fish. What made you stop and engage him? Aside well, from the blue eyes, it, it, yeah. Initially, it was this amazing stream of of love gushing from his eyes. So he was a, he was a very unusual person. I'd never felt that before anywhere in my life, and it was a. It's hard to describe it, um, and I've not uh, basically felt that since then. But it was uh, it was uh, just like uh, 
this this wave of love was was embracing me and making me feel like I uh, was totally secure and at peace, and I had nothing to worry about. And it was uh, I could have just stood there forever. It was so amazing. And so that is what told me this this man was a, was unusual and was different. Um, but but you know I have to say that that after the you know the my first encounter and then when I went back the next day to uh, to, to find him and, and and start the conversation I was a bit skeptical at first because he said that I said to him like why are you here why did you stop me and he said well I'm here to help you on your journey and to answer your questions and I looked at him and I said well with my lawyer brain kicking in and being a bit skeptical I said so how do you think you could help me when it doesn't look like you could even help yourself. Because like you said, uh, I said to him, you've been, uh, you look like you've been sleeping in the street for weeks and you smell like a dead fish. And so how are you going to help me? And he said, you know, looks can be deceiving. He said, you look like you're a very successful corporate lawyer with everything under control, but we both know that's just a facade. He said, you can just turn around and go back to your office and see if you can find your answers in all those emails waiting for you on your computer or you can sit down and take a chance with me. And after all, what do you have to lose? Well, that just made sense to me. And I, I think my intuition then kicked in and I, I just knew that, you know, what did I have to lose? I could sit here and, and waste a half an hour with this man if it turned out to be a waste. And that, that was my downside. And my upside was maybe I'd find something uh, very amazing about this man and he might answer all my questions, which I had been searching for the answers for uh, many years. And so I sat down and, uh, and the conversation began. Uh, so it was, uh, wasn't that hard, really, um, uh, just because he was such an unusual guy. And uh, it, j it just sort of screamed at me, uh, the little voice in my head that said, you'd be foolish if you didn't sit, and sit down and talk to this man because uh, maybe this is the only chance you're going to get to find your answers. And you see many of us who walk on the street, all of a sudden we see a palm reader, a psychic stopping us. And, and you know what comes after. You know, they extend their hand and they expect to be paid. Panhandlers. Did you expect that this was going to be the case? I did think that 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 he he may be a panhandler, uh, very initially. Um, but once we got into the conversation, then I knew that, that he wasn't after money um, and that he was really a a very different person. And in fact, uh, shortly after we got into the conversation, he actually said to me, "You know." I should tell you who I really am. I'm really one of your spirit guides that I've come down to earth disguised as a homeless man. Um, and that uh, surprised me a bit, I guess, but, but, I, but I believed him. I mean, he's, uh, he's the kind of guy that no matter what you say, no matter what he says, you just know that he's speaking the truth and he's not pulling the wool over your eyes or trying to con you into giving him some money. So uh, I wasn't concerned about that. I asked him when he said that uh, he was my spirit guide, and I said, "Well, why did you, why did you appear to me as the homeless man? What was the the reason for that?" And I should go on to say that he appeared to me as the homeless man just for our first three meetings, and after that, he was just a voice in my head, and we communicated by telepathy. Um, so, but I'd asked him, like, so why did you choose to appear as the homeless man for our first visits? And he said, "Well." I was just trying to get your attention in a gentle way and ease you into our conversation because if I had just started talking to you as a voice in your head, you likely would have thought you were going crazy and you might have ignored it. So that was just my way of introducing myself to you. But now that we're comfortable talking to each other, I don't need my disguise any longer. And in fact, he told me 
that I was the only person who could actually see him in the flesh as the homeless man. So if somebody had been walking uh, down the street past my bench that... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.